Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us is the CEO of Colossus SSP. What is that? She's going to tell us all about it. Let me welcome LaShonda Goffin. Welcome. Hi. Hello, Karen. Hi, Kalita. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. You know, um, it's Monday, so I'd like to feature people who are in business that people may not have heard about before. We just had a chocolatier on earlier in the show, and you're in a rare space. Um, We were talking earlier with a journalist about the six media outlets that run the world. And the reason why they're able to run the world is because of advertising. It is advertising that really runs the world, which means it's corporations. It's the corporations of people. See how that all comes into play? Now, you're responsible for corralling some of that. First of all, tell us what you do, and then tell (laughs) us how you got in that position. Yes, so um, I oversee and run Colossus SSP, which is a supply-side platform Um, in the digital advertising space that refers more so to uh, what we call programmatic advertising, which is the use of data and automation to uh, use that to power the decision on whether to serve an ad um, and who who to serve it to and when to serve it to them to make sure that it makes sense. it is a very interesting and unique space that I kind of found myself in. I, I began my career in the traditional space, um, local broadcast television. I was with the agency for a little over 10 years, and I spent first seven and a half, eight years in that traditional space. Just being young, um, I knew that my career had plateaued at that point uh, within that group simply because you have a lot of um, a lot of people who retire there, and that has been their only job. So that just kind of speaks to the growth. That, uh, that I foresaw for myself, but petition myself with HR to utilize my talents. Let's, let's transfer some of these skills over to a space that was evolving and uh, moved over to the trading desk. And this was like early adoption of programmatic digital buying um, just in the industry. So what, what does that mean when you pro, programmatic? Pro, so there's a program. Give us an example of what that looks so like. Programmatic buying. So if you think of the traditional way folks bought, they would just go directly to Condé Nast. They would just go directly to the publisher and say, hey, here's my ad. I want to run on your site. They work that deal out right then and there. What programmatic does is it, it kind of uses the entire scope of the internet as it's as its ground. And it says, I want to reach a black woman who is between the ages of 25 and 54, who may live in this region and likes to travel. How do we know that that's you? We don't know it's Karen Hunter, but we know that um, based on your browsing habits, that's why you see those accept cookies, allow me to try, you know, so it's it's decision-making and trying to make smart decisions on serving ads that will actually be relevant to you. So I was a buyer in that space where I would work with the clients, figure out who their targets were, work with different data providers to overlay those segments, to try and find you where you are. Um, wherever you may be on the internet. And that's that's kind of the uh, the layman's terms for, for, for programmatic. And just imagine trying to be a, a programmatic buyer after working in the traditional space for eight years and there was no formal training. It was like, here's the book. How do you, you know, <laughs> that's what this means. That's what this means. The language was totally different, but it definitely was a space where um, 
made sense. And 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 now it's it's not to say it wasn't then, but it's purposeful and meaningful what I'm doing with it now um, over at Colossus SSP, which is really shining a light on minority-owned publications and content creators who uh, may not understand this space, don't don't have the know-how um, or the resources because while it is automated, it still takes a lot of human touch. It takes ad operation folks. It takes, you know, account managers and things to really manage the, the um, your ad server and making sure that every, all, what we call your stack, making sure that you're plugged into the right players and things of that nature. So we are really positioning ourselves and, and it's been a blessing and that's how, you know, Karen, you know, we, we're, we're on it to make sure that publishers and content creators and voices like yourself get access to those, um, to those budgets because full you di- had full you disclosure. Um, I, I created a news outlet that hopefully will evolve into what Charles Loeb had back in the 1940s, uh, access to, uh, you know, a great, staff of of local reporters and people that are going to go give us stories that nobody else or discover stories that nobody else is doing it's called the hub.news and that's how i met you because i'm like i want to bring ads but i don't want to do a tradition i don't want to have pop-ups and just a point i know dr karitha wants to jump in we never use minority on this show because we are the global majority we're the global majority (laughs) we are not minorities there's nothing minor about us we have our dollars are driving markets globally as well uh literally our dollars bolster major companies in america and across the world so we are not minorities we're the global majority so we gotta change the language i i you know what that has been a, a, a point of conversation amongst a lot of the counterparts and, and, and partners that I work with because you have minority, you have multicultural, you have underrepresented, uh, you know, and, and the one thing I always speak to is look at the buying power. Just look at the data. <laughs> That'll tell you all that you need to know. Facts. It's so exciting to talk to you. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, you answered part of the question I had uh already because I was like, okay, so you're telling me that you're part of the reason why if I was looking at a suitcase, all of a sudden, everywhere I go on the internet, (laughs) there's that suitcase again. So you answered that question, but um, just for, you know, kind of people like me who don't exactly understand, I wanted to hear you talk a little bit more with us about when you say that you're the buyer, that means precisely what? Because it sounds like you're kind of a liaison between the publications like Karen's publication and the people who want to spend advertising dollars. It sounds like that's what you mean, but I also hear buyer and I think of retail. And so it sounds like there's a connection there that I just wanted to see if you would tell us more about. Absolutely. So that was the beginning of my career. I was a buyer. So as a, as a digital buyer, I would come to Karen Hunter and say, I want to place an ad on your show. I'm, I'm buying her ad space and her airspace and I'm buying her listeners ears. So that's what I did at the beginning of my career uh, for the first 10. And then I moved over to publisher sales still within programmatic. So then the buyers would come to me and say, Hey, I want to run on your, you know, portfolio of websites. Now I sit in a very unique space um, in the ad tech world where the supply side platform integrates with the publishers. So we have access to their inventory. And then we also work with the buyers so we can integrate with the different software programs that they use to actually do their buys. So we talk to them that way. So we hold what 
essentially it's it's the stock exchange for advertisement. Mm -hmm. So all these opportunities come available. They see the attributes associated with the opportunity to serve an ad and say, and they bid and the highest bidder wins. And then the ad serves. And all of this is happening in a millisecond. Your page is loading and an auction is taking place uh, in the back. It's a cool space to be in. So how did you get there? Um, you were at this place, you were, you moved up or over into a new space where you, you know, what was the impetus to start your own and how do you start something that really doesn't exist anyplace else? Because that's really what you're doing right now. LaShawn de Goffin, Goffin, wow. you are, you are, <laughs> you're in a space that nobody who looks like you is really rocking. No, no, I go to these conferences and I'm the only one with bamboo earrings and box rays sometimes, you know, but it's all right. Uh, <laughs> I, so so in, in even entering the world of, of advertising, um, I found myself again, just. I, I'm happy that I kind of listened to my gut and saying, don't get comfortable, find something else. And this was this new shiny emerging thing that no one knew about. I kind of, I had an amazing boss prior to moving over to the, to the digital space who was very um, supportive. She had a son that was my age who also was in the business. So she, it wasn't about just making sure her team's numbers were met. She really cared about me. And so when I went to her to say, listen, I, I think I want to do something new. I think we all know that my ceiling has been hit here. She advocated for me. And then, um, I wound up with a terrible boss and I hate that I say it, but it is what it is. I had a terrible boss. You can hate your job and love your people and show up for work just because you love the people that you work with. I loved programmatic. Uh, I, I didn't like the person I reported to. It was just a very toxic environment. And I was pregnant with my second kid traveling and commuting on the New York city public. Like that just made a bad combination for like <laughs> for life. And they presented me with an option doing like a reorg that was such a slap in the face. But what corporate America sometimes thinks is you need us. And without consulting my husband, without talking to anyone, I said, I'll take option C. And they said, well, you don't want to think about it. I said, no, because you think all I need is a job. And I'd rather work at Walmart and have somebody really care about the way I start these shelves versus you thinking you can just dwindle me. And so that's how that happened. Um, I was scared out of my mind. I went to the bathroom, called my husband, like, you sure you, you should have called me? First we need <laughs> Look, it was into that. Oh, I'm gonna get fired because if I cuss this lady out one more time, <laughs> I'm getting written up. <laughs> I have learned, I have grown since then, but it was definitely divine where I met who then became my next boss and is now my sister friend, um, Ashley McGee. She, she was my sales rep. And she was the last call I took. She flew in from Chicago. And I was, I, I, I'm, I'm tiny. No one could, could tell I was pregnant unless she saw me from the front. And so when I came out to greet her, I turned around. She's like, oh, my God, like, you should be in the hospital. And I said, don't worry, you're my last call. And she just kept up with me. And the opportunity opened up. And she said, well, you ever thought about sales? I always thought sales was the dark side. It is not. Buying is the dark side, and I can tell you why, but um, moved over to sales, team was rocking, I was the only person in that role, really kind of grew the product, started to train the traditional old heads that were in the building, because if you know anything about old school publishing salespeople, they don't like change, and you can't mess with their commissions. 
And so it was just really partnering, showing them I was an asset. And two and a half years in, I got a call from HR and uh, the high boss, um, 15 minutes placed on our calendars, entire team is in San Francisco at a conference. Oh, effective today, you know, your team was dissolved. So we were all laid off while we were traveling for business in San Francisco. I said, oh. But we just had our Q2 review and the numbers were outpacing, like no one saw it coming. And that wow. was one of those, those moments where I said, all right, you, I got comfortable. I had to take my career into my hands. I had to make sure that I always had a plan and I took my time. I went on so many interviews in that window and ended up in the tech space something I was not familiar with. Like I understood it from the um, software side, from kind of utilizing the platforms, but really powering it, it was different. And um, so I moved over to a SSP, which was a not-for-profit, which is unheard of because in this industry, it's all about making money and it was meaningful. Um, but I wanted to do something, that, it, it was meaningful, but I wanted to do something that was a little bit more close to heart, which is, how I ended up over at Colossus. He, my my now boss, uh, Mark Walker. He he brought me on. He wanted me to do sales. He wanted me to just kind of evangelize and get folks to just tap into our our marketplace. And I said that's not what I want to do. Um, I I'm more than a salesperson. I'm a strategic thinker. Um, I want to do more business development. I I said so. When you have a need for that, then let's um, let's talk. And he said, you know what? Just run the whole thing. <laughs> I went in the street. I called my husband. I was like, hey, man. He said, listen, <laughs> sometimes you ask for it and you got it. Come on. And I haven't looked back. Um, he really, he brought me on. There were two other people that were kind of, that, that were touching this, this business. It wasn't really developed. It was more of a, a like a passion project, of, you know, and, and it, it, it was birthed out of my sister company, um, Huddle Masses. And now I made my third year uh, back in, oh, this month, August 19th. Actually, Look it was my- that. Year mark and 13 employees later, when it was just me and one, you know, two other people, the company has gone public as of uh, February of this year. So it has just been wow, CEO of a publicly traded CEO of Colossus SSP, LaShonda uh, Goffin. Somebody, what if somebody says, and I've seen it in the chat, so are you selling access to us? Is that your job to sell? the these yes. people access to us and why is, isn't that nefarious why is that okay it's okay because we all need something you drink water you brush your teeth you use hair products um it's it's all about discovery so it's it's with in the wake of social unrest colossus media has become um a partner to a lot of these holding companies and brand directs where we've, we've been getting more inbounds because everyone is focusing on their DE&I initiatives. So <laughs> why is it important for Colossus to exist is because I am who they are trying to advertise to. Uh, let's not make the mistake that Pepsi did with that ad, you know, with Kylie trying to give a, a can of soda to somebody. And, you know, let's not do right. that. Let's talk about creative. Let's talk about targeting. So you, have, about so you have the ability to talk to these companies. So here's in the world, like on this show, we have advertisers. Some, you know, I turn down probably more than we take because for me, it's important that if, I, if I'm going to talk about Bombas or Cozy Earth or any, that I'm actually using it or an example of a company that people are complaining about, no longer 
longer can you advertise on the show? Or like when you're complaining, let me bring the CEO on, let them answer the, the mm-hmm. complaints and let's have a conversation about why to Dr. Caritas, why do we have them? What, what's important? So everything's about empowering us. So what you're saying is that there are black owned global majority owned outlets like mine that needs money to function, to, to run. And the advertising dollars are out there, but they're not coming to me directly. They're not coming to you. Absolutely. So they go to Colossus. Colossus says, here's the hub.news and here's this one and that one and bring your dollars over here and we'll disperse it to these companies. That's what you do. That's what I do. It's awareness. It's education. It's making sure that the, what we run is a marketplace that is equitable. Right. Um, you want to reach, they want to reach black people, but there's more than the the typical go to brand names that I, that I don't have to name all the other outlets. So we go out and we uncover those diamonds in the rough and we say, yeah, you, they may come to us with a whitelist, which is. In those terms, whitelist, blacklist, allow and block, you know, a, another point of contention in, in our space, but they may come to us and say, hey, we want to reach black folks and here are the sites that we want to reach them on. My buyer development team is their job to educate them and say, this is nice, but you're coming to us. Let us help you. Let us tell you how you can find these folks. Then there's another point of it um, where this it's, it's brand safety. Brand safety can be another issue because what, what the brands are trying to do is make sure that they're aligned with content that resonates with their brand. They don't want to be next to violence. They don't want to have any words that are associated in an article that might be deemed as negative. But uh, a black person may say, yo, that's dope. We're not talking about drugs. We're just saying right. that it's it, but they don't know that. So now the, the so they have is- they have the word, you know, they're they're pulling words out without context. So how yeah. do, how do we not get exploited? Um, so I brought I brought you on because, you know, I'm constantly pushing us to be strategic about how we move in the world. We live in a world. We live in a world. These are the things that power the world. Right. Uh, when we talk about politics, to Dr. Caritha's point, we're talking about dis- distribution of uh, not just wealth, but resources. Right. How do we get in a position to be able to have the power to to serve our community, to build the things that we need to build and using your company? So anyone listening out, who's your client? Who's the person that could use your services to power themselves? So we sit in a unique space because we're integrating with the publishers. And and I want to say we don't discriminate. It is all inclusive. So there are general market as well as multicultural publishers there. So if you're looking to monetize your content, that's how you can work with us. If you're looking for supply, you're looking for a niche audience. If you're looking for a particular vertical, the buyers can come to us. If there are the same way we are an SSP, supply side platform, there's a DSP the demand side platform, they have to talk to each other because you have to have a way to actually buy the inventory. So now I also need to make sure that I'm integrated with those players. Um, there's there's a other, other creators in the world when it comes to even verification, making sure that the scanning of creatives is not going to cause your site to crash. So we're protecting the publishers as well by having those things in place. Same way while we have other verification partners that protect um, the, the advertisers where we don't allow it to go on a, a site that has bot traffic, right? So if you have anything in, in, in that space, um, it's we, we are open to, this is why I love to get into the business development piece of it. It's not just the advertiser. There's so many other pieces that have to make this thing work. So um, I'm sure I, I can 
shoot my, my contact information, be willing to take any questions from any, any potential bloggers out there, any, you know, advertisers who are just interested in the how to kind of get into this space, because programmatic was really kind of a, an efficiency, efficiency play. If you know who your, your demo is, you know, who your audience is, you would want to go this route because um, people want to, you know, it's less waste if you can target intelligently, even though there's still human touch. Um, but yeah, so it, it touches all of those things. I, I can, I don't think there's enough time in the world. That's why the day never ends. Uh, to- <laughs> no, you know, in the passion, um, Dr. Karitha, you had, you had a question or a comment. It's just such a pleasure to hear you speak. And I think part of what I would love to hear is part of what you described to me is the way that you found meaning in what you were doing. And part of what I understand that you're producing is this normalizing diversity and understanding the power of tapping into diversity. So I just wonder if you might say something to younger people who might be listening, who are thinking about creating meaning with the work they do in the world. What would you say to someone who's thinking in those terms before they get to the point of being pushed out of a position, how can they be proactive about create crafting a career like what you're describing that's so meaningful? It you sometimes you have to do something to know you like it or not like it. And no one thinks of media as being meaningful. When you think of cape wearers, you think of nurses, you think of, you know, first responders, you think you think of things of that nature, but there's still ways to find you're fitting, um, um, still make a living off of it, but it's still helpful. So my my giving back is making sure that the the mommy bloggers in her college dorm um, doesn't think anyone's reading her her uh, you know her words, her thoughts, her meanings because she doesn't have distribution. But somebody can resonate with it, and and that's that's the beauty of it. Um, that is why I came over to this space. The, the previous company was, it's a competitor, but it was this edge. It was the focus on making sure that everyone had a voice, making sure that it was equitable, making sure that we were being intentional about who we were going after and, and how we were lending ourselves as a resource to to the content creators. That's that's the meaningful part. That I mean, beautiful. I, I love that you're in the space as somebody who, um, first time I got here with a sales meeting, and a room full of melanemic people that did not understand something that I had to articulate. Uh, the, the black people, we, we have children, pets, we wash our clothes, we have homes, we drive cars, obviously, and we spend more money than y'all doing it. To not go after, uh, you know, to not bring in ads is either, you know, lazy or something worse. And I'm, I'm you know, paraphrasing, but, you know, this market is valuable our dollars are valuable, our eyeballs, our clicks, we drive the damn internet. There's no TikTok dance without black people. All them dances and trends come from us and Twitter, forget about it, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and Instagram. So like if we're powering all of these to greatness, cause we know the founders didn't have this creativity, we should be benefiting on the other side with these dollars that are coming in that are flooding Absolutely. in. Yes. Absolutely. Brands want to do it. The, the, the one thing that I've been, really championing is, okay, yeah, you want to allocate a certain amount of dollars. How about you just be intentional on including them and let the performance speak for itself? Um, because when you do that, you say, okay, I have 2% of, of my $100 million I want to spend. When it doesn't work, 
then we get to see this is why I didn't. Right, right. Don't, give us, don't, don't put more pressure on us then. Right, <laughs> right. Be, put the money in. I mean, I think about Joe Rogan and Alex Jones, who literally were able to, and Rush Limbaugh, build empires off of this this kind of, you know, ad dollar. And yeah. we could say what we want about that. But yeah, this this is what that looks like when you when people are free to, to have access. Um, LaShonda, let's, let's keep the conversation going. I appreciate you giving us a little bit of time out of your crazy, hectic schedule to come in and, and give us some enlightenment. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 PM East on Sirius XM urban view channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.